Amen. It's good to see you. You may have a seat. I'm so glad that you are here tonight. And as we uh, jump right back into our Baptist Faith and Message study, um, once again, I just want to remind you why we're doing this study. It's so that we as Baptists know uh, what we believe, what we stand on, the doctrines that we hold to. And it's also Um, an opportunity for us to see how many different local churches, although they may function uh, different in in their practical sense, uh, philosophies of ministry, and even some points of of doctrine, maybe holding different viewpoints, how we can fit under this umbrella of the Baptist Faith and Message of 2000. And so I am just delighted that we can uh, go through this together tonight. And we are looking at uh, Jesus uh, being the Son of God, the eternal Son of God tonight. And when, I don't know about you, how you were first introduced to Jesus, but if it was like me, uh, we had a picture of Jesus in our house. Anybody have a picture of a so-called Jesus in your house? And if it was the same picture or close to it, he had some long hair, kind of sandy blonde, uh, had a nice tan, and had the bluest eyes you've ever seen. And I thought, man, Jesus looks good, all right? And, and uh, that, that's just what I thought. That's the picture I had of Jesus um, as a child. And so every time I would pray or when we would go to the local church and uh, I'd hear the pastor preaching, maybe a little bit of that while I was playing in between, or I was in RAs, Royal Ambassadors. Can I get a shout out in here? Yes, okay. All right, so in those times when we would mention the name Jesus, that's immediately what came to my mind, that what I saw on that picture frame in our house. And as I got older, uh, I was introduced to Jesus of Nazareth, the videos, uh, the movie that was on cassette tape, um, or video cassette tape, that's what you call it. And there were about four of them, and you just put one in after the other. It'd kind of run through, and then you get finished. And Miss Ali, I see you shaking your head, so you must have watched that series, okay? I watched it over and over again. And so then I had that guy as a picture of who Jesus was. So he had a little bit shorter hair, a little bit darker, darker beard. And so my, my vision of Jesus and who he was changed, but I loved watching those movies, and, and I did learn a lot about the Bible by watching those movies. So in, in one sense, I'm very glad that they put that together. But it's, it's when you come to Scripture that you really get the proper view of who Jesus is. And then that's hard for us because what does that mean? That means that we have to put away technology, uh, maybe, um, or you uh, have to put away just all the distractions around you and, you. and you come to the Word of God and you say, okay, God, who are you? This is what I want to know. And you begin to read, and on every page, God reveals to you himself. And there, on every page throughout the word, is Jesus, who is just the champion of the word. And so that's what we see, and that's what we believe um, as Baptists. So I always feel it's appropriate to tell you that I just love being a child of God. Uh, if, If you would say, hey, are, are you a Christian? I'd say yes. Um, but the most enduring term that I love, a term of endearment, is a child of God. I'm so glad to be called a child of God. But indeed, I am Baptist when it comes to just clarification of, hey, man, wh- what's kind of the doctrine that you hold? And so with that, that's where we have 
uh, this article, The Son of God. And we have it up on the screen for you if you don't have um, a, a pamphlet with you tonight of the Baptist Faith and Message. But if you do, you keep bringing that back, keep making notes on it. But let me read this for us tonight. Christ is the eternal Son of God. In his incarnation as Jesus Christ, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God, taking upon himself human nature with its demands and necessities and identifying himself completely with mankind yet without sin. He honored the divine law by his personal obedience. And in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to his disciples as the person who was with them before his crucifixion. He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where he is the one mediator, fully God, fully man, and whose person is affected the reconciliation between God and man. He will return in power and glory to judge the world and to consummate his redemptive mission. He now dwells in all believers as the living and ever-present Lord. So we're gonna take uh, this article as we have in the previous nights together and we're gonna break it down into seven sections, okay? And I'm gonna have those titles uh, put up on the screen and underneath there, there will be uh, a section of this article that's pasted underneath it. So if you're taking notes, this should make note-taking a little bit easier for you tonight. Um, but just uh, a defining of the, what I would say are seven sections within this article. And then also along with this, we're gonna uh, kind of use Colossians chapter one as a proof text. And so if you will turn in your Bibles to Colossians, and if you get into the New Testament, you have Galatians, you have Ephesians, you have Philippians, and then you have Colossians. And so if you don't have a Bible with you tonight, by all means, take one of these pew Bibles. Everybody grab a Bible, have it in your hand. You're gonna wanna hold the word of God in your hand tonight. And you can turn to page 983 if you just wanna jump right to it. All right, so Colossians chapter one, 13 through 22. Let me just kind of tell you what we're gonna do with this passage. We're gonna play a little hopscotch, all right? So we're not gonna read it straight through right now. And in fact, when we reference it, we're gonna go from one section of it to another, and then we're gonna jump back. And so again, this is just a reference. There are gonna be many references that you're gonna see uh, under this article that you can go back and, and read. And I'm sure you're gonna read every single one of those verses. It's gonna be great. You're gonna have amazing quiet times this week, okay? And you're gonna know a lot more about Jesus Christ having gone to those references. So look with me. This is gonna be pretty simple layout. And, and, I, and I love that it's simple because here's the thing. If you're gonna explain to someone who is Jesus, I think these uh, seven points here uh, that are mentioned will, will be most helpful uh, as most people still look to Jesus as maybe the blonde-haired Fabio with blue eyes, okay? Let's go a little bit deeper than that, right? So, number one, the eternal Son of God. Christ is the eternal Son of God. That's where the article begins. Jesus has always been, okay? Now, he became Emmanuel, God with us. He received the name Jesus when he came and lived uh, in the flesh among us. But before that, before coming on this earth, he's always been the son of God. In fact, he's the creator, 
All right, so you may think that, oh, I thought God the Father was the only creator and that Jesus maybe is just looking back and going, hey man, you, you go dad, you're doing a great job, keep it up. And the Holy Spirit's just applauding saying this is amazing. No, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God created the world. And so Jesus is creator, he's called the creator. We're gonna see that in Colossians. Um, but before then, they were always together. And we, we talked about that with God the Father and just the um, when we talked about the triune God. So they've always existed together. They've always had fellowship. So let me just remind you again, when we live in a, in a uh, self-esteem world, it's that God really did not need us to change things for him. Okay, he didn't need us to brighten his day. Um, he didn't need us to complete him. He created us by his grace. The fellowship was already rich. The fellowship was already full. The fellowship was already complete. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What a joy we have to be brought into that family as children of God. So he's the eternal son of God. Let's look in Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 17. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. So you look to Christ and Christ is holding all things together, dominions and powers and authorities. I mean, even Satan was created. Lucifer was created by Christ, okay? Lucifer just wasn't hanging out for all of eternity and saying, hey, can I join the party and now I wanna steal all the glory? No, he wasn't even created in that time. Uh, he didn't even exist in that time. Christ was part of creating all rulers and authorities and he holds all things together. His existence did not begin here on this earth, but when he came to live here on this earth, uh, that's when we see him receiving the name Jesus in Emmanuel. So, first point here is that Christ is the eternal son of God. He's always been. Now, you may hear that and go, I already knew that. And that, that's great. I'm so glad that you knew that. And, and I hope this just reaffirms that. There are many people who don't know that. Many people that you work with, uh, many people that you teach, many kids that you teach, uh, they don't know these things. They don't know that Christ has always been. Um, it's very foggy to them, very vague. So let us not forget that as we're in fellowship together often, that there are people who don't know that Christ has always existed, okay? So that's point number one. Number two, the eternal son of God became flesh. Not, not flesh in the sense of our sinful flesh, which we are all too familiar with. Okay, that's the, the flesh that you don't have to work hard at. You just go about living a simple life and you're gonna live in the flesh, okay? You're gonna be sinful. Uh, it requires no work on your part. It's just automatic, okay? You're hardwired in the flesh. That's not what we're talking about. When we say in the flesh, we're talking about skin. He came to live in the skin among us. He came to tabernacle with us. That, that, that word dwelt among us in John 1 means to tabernacle, as we see the tabernacle in the Old Testament. So Christ comes to tabernacle among us, right in the middle of everything going on. So let's read this from the article. In his incarnation as Jesus Christ, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God, taking upon himself human nature with its demands and necessities and identifying himself completely with mankind yet without sin. Now, once we get into this article, if you read this sentence by sentence, uh, in all seriousness, if, if, you, if you will go back and just read over this, you will be well acquainted with what Christ 
came to do and who Christ is and what he's gonna continue to do. And this explains it so well. Um, Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You have people say, well, I would believe in God if I could see him, but I can't see him. And you say, well, look to Jesus. Jesus is the invisible God become flesh. That was the moment on this earth in history that God became flesh. It's Jesus. And so people are saying, if I could just see God, will he just come down and show me? I was like, he already did. You just weren't around when that happened. But it doesn't mean he didn't come do it. Look into the word of God. It's all there for you. It's right here for us to see what God looks like coming and living in the flesh among us. And so he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, which means that he did not come from the first Adam. He is indeed the second Adam. If you'll just write Romans 5, go look at that. Romans 5, 12 and following, and that will explain more, okay? Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God. So what God the Father came, uh, sent him to do, Jesus accomplished it. He did all that his Father sent him to do, which means nothing was stolen from Jesus. That Jesus' life wasn't cut short, um, everything that he came to accomplish, it happened in the right order. Uh, we say 30 years, why 30 years? And then we read of three years, the last three years of his life. And, and that's kind of the highlight. I mean, was he just wasting time in those 30 years? No, he was doing a great work in those 30 years. You know what he's doing? He's doing what we can't do. He was living perfectly before the father, perfect obedience. And so he was doing the will of his father the whole time he was here. And then taking upon himself human nature with its demands and necessities. So he, he understands the pressures that you feel, okay? He was tempted just like you're tempted. So when we sit in small groups or one-on-one accountability and you say, listen, this is the temptation that I face. You get me, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't get this temptation. No, he does. He gets that temptation. He was tempted and tried in every way. So the demands that were placed on him, the necessities, everything about living here on this earth, he faced too. He faced the challenges. He faced bad weather. He faced good weather, okay? Um, He went hungry. He went full, okay? So he experienced all these things that we indeed experienced, yet he was without sin. So that's important because we can never look to God and say, God, you don't understand. God understands completely. He came and lived among us and he modeled it for us to perfection, identifying himself completely with mankind, yet without sin. Isn't it good that we have a savior who identifies with us, who uh, hasn't always been distant from us, but came and faced everything that we face so that when you mess up, you can go to him and you can call upon him. And here's the confidence you have in confessing your sin and having a repentant heart is that he didn't fail. That's your confidence. Many times maybe we don't go pray because we failed and we're really discouraged about that really frustrated and thinking, when am I gonna get it? Well, Jesus did get it. Uh, He always got it. So you go pray based on the confidence that Jesus never failed, okay? And that does bring life change. It brings life change. Number three, the eternal son of God lived, died, and rose from the grave. All right, so let's look at the article again. He honored the divine law by his personal obedience And in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to his disciples as the person who was with them before his crucifixion. So Colossians 1.18 says, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in everything he might be preeminent. So Christ indeed is the head. He's the head of the body. He is the firstborn among the dead. He rose from the grave. So he is the new seed. We have life in Christ Jesus. So we have life because he has life. We are risen from our, the deadness of our sin because he rose uh, from the dead. So he honored the divine law by his personal obedience. All right, this explains, in short, why Jesus came and lived those 30 years and did the three years of ministry. If, if Jesus came just to die and to rise from the grave, he could have accomplished that in a weekend, don't you think? I mean, really, Jesus could have come in the flesh. He could have said, I am God in the flesh. And the Jews would have hated him just the same. And they would have wanted to crucify him. They could have put him to a cross and it could have ended all in one weekend. It'd been done. Jesus would have died. He could have rose from the grave and we could still look to him as one who died for our sins. But something's missing. We needed someone who, who was obedient. We needed someone who was perfect because we're not. And that's why Jesus lived for us. So don't forget the part when you look at Jesus living on this earth, he lived a long time on this earth, 33 years of perfect obedience to the Father. That counts too. <laughs> That's huge in the narrative. Don't forget that. That's your confidence as you walk in Christ Jesus is because he lived here and was perfectly obedient to the Father. Uh, in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. So in short, here's what we have. He was the substitute, okay? He was at paying off Satan, okay? Uh, they didn't owe Satan anything, okay? This penal substitution uh, theory that's out there, it's false. No, he is the substitution for us. He went in our place. He did not become sin. He took on our sin, okay? And he took on our sin. He was punished for our Sin. Why? So it would bring redemption. Our redemption is based on what he did on the cross. That's it. That, all our redemption is based on that right there, him paying for us. Nothing else left to pay. Like we talked about Sunday, nothing left in the cup to drink. He drank all of the wrath of God. It is empty, that cup. It is put down. It is finished. And he was raised from the dead with a glorified body. And to this we say amen because we struggle in our earthly bodies, don't we? I mean, we, we have a lot of frustrations with our earthly bodies, um, especially as you continue to advance in age, I hear, uh, that it gets worse. No, I'm experiencing too. That, I mean, as you get older, I mean, there's just things that you're looking at going, I know I used to could do that, but the body's just not catching up to it, right? And, and so what we see is our bodies are failing, but we have sin in our lives that fail God constantly. And yet here's the, the beautiful picture is that Christ led the way with uh, this glorified body, a glorified body that we too will receive. It will never die again, it will never perish. It will be always and forever. And he appeared to his disciples as the person who was with him before the crucifixion. In fact, he appeared before 500 men. There are many witnesses to Christ living on the earth at the time in which he was here. And so Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. No, we were under the dominion of darkness. 
We were prisoners of Satan. We were enchained to sin. And that was our title, sinner, okay? We, we, we don't receive the title saint because of a better life that we're living. We receive the title saint because he delivered us from darkness into light. That's why the title changes. That's all of our hope there. And so the next point is the eternal son of God has ascended back into heaven. So where did he go? Once, once he walked around, once he made himself visible to everybody. So let's just pause for a second. Here we go. We have someone who is eternal. That is God. He comes down to live among us. He lives a life of perfection. He goes down into the grave um, after dying on the cross. And then he rises and here he meets with people. He reveals himself to his disciples. They gain this confidence. And then he ascends up into heaven. So uh, he is in a real place at this time. He's not in some imaginary land. Okay, he is, he is in a real place. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. So he has ascended back into heaven. And that's what we see in the articles as well. He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God. The next point we see is the eternal son of God acts as mediator between God and man. So according to the article where he is the one mediator, fully God, fully man, and whose person is affected the reconciliation between God and man. So as he's at the right hand of God and he is acting as a mediator. So let me put this in practical terms. You, when you pray, you're praying in Jesus' name. I mean, not just to say in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Although that's fine if, if you end your prayers like that, but it goes much deeper than that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere and somebody just says, oh, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, amen. And then as soon as they're done, somebody whispers, oh, they, they didn't pray in Jesus' name. Like, did you hear that? They didn't pray in Jesus' name. It's not the point there. They just don't tag that on at the end of the prayer. What we're meaning is that when you pray, you are praying in the name of Jesus. That's your it's your confidence, that's your hope, that's your only way of communicating with the Father is the name of Jesus. And so you come to him through Jesus. So as you're praying to God the Father, as Jesus instructed us in Matthew chapter uh, six, Matthew six, yeah, so he's instructed us to pray, um, we pray through Jesus. He's the mediator. He brings reconciliation. Why do we need reconciliation? Because God hated our sin and God hates the evildoer. I mean, if, if you think that's a bold statement that's out of place, just, I mean, it's, it's about verbatim what it says in Psalms. And so God hates the evildoer. We needed to be re re reconciled with God. Um, we, we just couldn't come to God and say, God, hey, I'm here, I'm sorry. No, it's only through Jesus. And, and Jesus brings us together with God the Father. And so he is our Father and we are his children. And, and Jesus acts as the older brother, um, the good, older, faithful brother who brings us together and he acts as mediator between us and God the Father. And, and that's continual. That, that is ongoing. What that doesn't mean is that Jesus is constantly busy uh, begging and pleading God the Father to forgive you. All right, that's not how Jesus is reigning right now. That it was done. It's like, see the cross, there it is. I paid for that sin that they just committed. It's been paid for. It's already been paid for, okay? He's not having to work for you. He already did, okay? It's already been accomplished. So he's there as the mediator um, and continues to act as mediator between God and man. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. 
That's what he has done. So who are we without Christ? We are separated, we're alienated, we're hostile in mind. I mean, we, we do not think good thoughts about God. We don't think highly uh, about God. We, we don't go quickly to boasting about God when it comes to our lives. If we're walking in the flesh, good, chance are, good chances are we are boasting of ourselves. We think very highly of ourselves and we think very little of God. In fact, that's the transformation that has to happen in the church. I mean, we, we, we think that way so often. I mean, here we are and we think so lowly of God, but here's what the word of God does. And here's what happens. The good work that happens within the church as we look to Jesus, all of a sudden that changes. Okay, so as we think, as we die to self and we glorify God, then we're living the, for the purposes in which he has us here for his glory. And, and we live the better life. We live the eternal life. That is the way to live on this earth. This is God to be high and us to be brought low. That's the way we wanna live, okay? It's reversed, okay? I'm telling you, naturally it's reversed. That's how we think, ourselves up here, God down here, but the great work of sanctification changes that, okay? And so with this, um, our, evil do, our evil deeds are not counted against us. And can I just, can you just give an amen to that? Amen, all right? Our evil deeds are not counted against us because I have them, all right? And I'm sure, and I know you do too, okay? Because you're not Jesus. All right, so um, we have evil deeds. They're not counted against us, but we've been reconciled because his body was put to death. Why? So that we can be presented holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And get this, you're presented holy and blameless and without reproach because of what Christ did. And that is ongoing as your child of God even when you don't feel like it. So maybe you woke up this morning and you didn't feel holy and blameless and without reproach, but that's how you were presented before God because of Christ Jesus. I told you, he is the hero. He is the champion. He is the mediator. He is the savior. He is the king. And so the next thing we see is that the eternal son of God will return. He will return. And you're thinking, will he return? Yes, he will return. All right, we're thinking it's been a long time, but a thousand days is a day to the Lord. Um, a thousand years to a day to the Lord. And so really it's only been two days since he said, I'll be back. So uh, he's coming back and he will be back soon. And we should live with great expectation, uh, great urgency that he could return now and come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, this is what we see in the article. He will return in power and glory to judge the world and to consummate his redemptive mission. So what do we believe as Baptists? I mean, I hold to, this is what I believe in, and I believe this fits even with what our statement says. Um, he will return in power and glory to judge the world. So if, if you're thinking that when Christ comes, there's gonna be this extended time for man to get his life right before the Lord, we're wrong. He's coming back to judge. He's coming back to judge. And positive for us is to consummate his redemptive mission. And so all this that he has been doing will be complete as we will be brought to him. He, he's coming back for his bride. He has not forgotten his bride. And we are his bride. He will return for us. And then we see the eternal son of God rules in the life of believers. So until he returns, and he is returning, he will return. Till he returns, he rules in the life of believers. This is what we see in the article. He now dwells in all believers as the living and ever-present Lord. So this is important that we understand salvation is not 
I want to be saved right now so that one day I'll go to heaven. Okay? Now, it's not a bad, not a bad thought. And I'm just going to tell you, I want that. Okay? Uh, you want that. So it's not wrong to want that. But salvation is much bigger than that. And if that's all eternal life is to you, then you're missing out on the purpose and the plan for what he has here on this earth for you. It's, it's much greater. It's to live for the glory of God. And so if Christ is ruling in us, that's eternal life. That we could have anything to do with God is eternal life. That we could know God is eternal life. That we could pray. That we could be gathered here tonight. And this is what we're doing. Because, I mean, there are a hundred and one, a thousand and one, even more things that we could be doing right now instead of talking about Jesus. But we're gathered here talking about Jesus. Why? Because he's ruling in our hearts. He's ruling in our lives. And so as he is ruling, we have this eternal life. We, we know him more. We grow in our understanding of who is Jesus. We grow more in his likeness. We look more like Christ as we continue to walk in Christ. So even in our frustrating moments, when we come past those, we can find ourselves looking more like Jesus because in the whole time while we were frustrated and we were suffering and we were struggling, whether through a sickness or whether through a temptation or whatever it may be, and as we're fleeing and looking to Jesus, he's working in us and he's making us look more like him. And so the longer you are a follower of Jesus, you're able to look back and you're able to see the work that Christ has done. You know what that does? It gives you confidence. It should give you confidence because what you're doing is you're examining the tree and you're saying, is there fruit on the tree? So are you walking with Jesus? Are you following Christ? That's a question for the present, not did you get saved, but are you following Jesus? Let's make it present as well because it's past, present, and future. You were saved, you are being saved, you will be saved. But as long as you're a child of God, you were forever a child of God and his righteous right hand, John 10, 28. Isn't that good news? And so this is Jesus. And so um, if you follow through on that, or you can go back and listen to this again, if that works best for you. Um, But let me just read uh, these last verses in Colossians for you as we close on Christ, the eternal son of God. Colossians 1, 18. Uh, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. Wow, so he is the head. I just wanna make it clear, um, I'm not the head of this local church. Christ is, okay? Um, you're not the head of this local church. Christ is. And sometimes we can get that backwards too. Um, I've, I've met plenty of pastors, and indeed I myself have struggled with pride before when it comes to holding this role Um, that they act as the head of the church. No, Jesus is the head of the church. Uh, Pastors are just under shepherds of the chief shepherd. Okay, I don't want his role. (laughs) All right, under shepherd is challenging enough. I mean, he is the chief shepherd. All right, and no one takes that role from him. He is the head of the body. Colossians 1.23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So what do we do? What do we do with this good news? What do we do as followers of Jesus Christ? How do we explain to our children who are asking and saying, I wanna be baptized, okay, as my six-year-old is, okay? What, what, what conversations are we having? We're saying, hey, son, do you want Christ to rule in you? Every day, do you wanna follow Jesus? Do you know that Christ lived for you? Do you know that Christ died for you? Do you know that Christ rose from you? And do you believe that Christ is gonna come back for you? Do you believe these things, son? 
I mean, these are the real questions we need to be asking our children. Are you willing to die for Christ? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Even when things are hard, are you going to give glory to God? Because God is good. He's a good father, son. He's a good father. He's a better father than I will ever be. Like these are the gospel conversations we must have with our children. These gospel conversations we need to have with each other and remind each other of these things, right? It's far too easy to go to our children and say, oh, you wanna be baptized? You wanna be saved? So you don't wanna go to hell, you wanna go to heaven. You believe in Jesus? Yes, good, okay, let's go. It's exciting when our children are coming to us and wanting to know Jesus. We, are, we should not shut them out and say, oh, you're a little too young to have these conversations. No, they're of perfect age. Jesus said, come to me you little ones. I mean, he he said, bring the children to me, okay? May we not be a stumbling block in that, but let us have the true gospel conversations with our kids as well. And let us not hold back what is the gospel because we feel like they're too young. If they're gonna follow Jesus, they need to know who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do, what he's continuing to do, what he'll forever be, okay? Is that good? All right, so um, with that, I said there are plenty of verses to go back and and look at. Um, And and look, this is, as we do this study, it's like many things in, in life. I mean, you will uh, be more familiar and better acquainted with these things if you'll go back and, and, and look after these things. Study them. Go behind, okay? Um, let me pray for us, and I'm going to share a couple things with you before we have our family prayer. Father, thank you for Christ Jesus. And we thank you for sending him here on this earth to live for us, to die for us, to rise for us. And that he will return for us and that he rules in our lives at this moment. May this continue uh, to spread this good news among this local church and among this community. More more people be saved through Jesus Christ as they fall in love with who Christ Jesus really is and who you say he is, who he said he is through his word. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.